Assalamu alaikum, welcome back to the Dadhood podcast. This is episode 7 with my good friend Tanim. He's an entrepreneur and a father to one child. He started up the well-known Golden Touch Academy along with a business partner and now he works on that full-time which makes his uh, full-time income through that. And so we went straight into it by talking about how he went from working in the city to now having that as a business and how he did that with the intention to create a lifestyle so that he could be ready to start a family and then once his son was actually born he was able to give so many hours to his son we also talk about some practical steps that brothers can go through uh, to be able to have that kind of lifestyle after university he calls that a golden period after university where you should take that gap year and start some projects which you never know can open up loads of doors of opportunity to you we also spoke about what his relationship with his father was and how it's affected his relationship with his son and also we spoke about his vision for a muslim homeschooling community although many do exist he has a unique spin to it and uh, that's something that I am also quite invested in too. So this has been a super interesting topic, especially if you're somebody who wants to understand how you can design your work life uh, around your child and how you can have that kind of financial stability to be able to give your children a lot more opportunities, maybe more than you have already had. So stay tuned for the episode. Please make sure you do hit subscribe, hit that bell icon so that you can get notifications for these uh, episodes that come out. Uh, Don't forget to comment some of your thoughts, give this a like and share this around to friends and family. Asalaamu Alaikum, welcome back to the Dadhood Podcast. I am joined by my good friend Tanim, alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair for accepting the invite. And um, you know what, let's just go straight into it, bro. You are a very busy man. You were just telling me that you've been working since 10am. But that is not something which holds you back from family life. And you are a father of one. And uh, you've been able to kind of construct your times of your day, of your working hours quite flexibly to accommodate for um, taking care of your child, being there for your family, for your wife and whatnot. So, yeah, let's go into it, man. How old is your son? Uh, when kind of uh, uh, how, how did you sort of create this lifestyle around yourself so that you could be a father to, to your child? Thank you for having me. And I must start by saying that I'm actually a fan of the show and I've listened to every single episode so far. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do the podcast justice today, but we'll give it a shot, inshallah. I, th- I think you will, uh, man, because you look like you're the one that's hosting with your, mashallah, the books in the background, the mic set up. <laughs> this, is, this, is, so this is my world. I do a lot of online teaching. So alhamdulillah, this is sort of, uh, this is where I spend a lot of my work time. So alhamdulillah, I was blessed with a baby boy very soon after getting married. In fact, I think we conceived him on a honeymoon. So I, I think, I think, very, we, I think we had the same situation man. <laughs> alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah so literally um it, it was a bit of a surprise for everyone uh he was actually in my wife's uh womb during our lima because <laughs> wow. we did the nikah first and the walima was so, so we yeah. had to pull the walima forward and everything but alhamdulillah it's been, uh, you know, the best gift you can ever receive. Like, that's the only way I can. Des- it's so hard to describe what it's like to have a child, to be blessed with fatherhood. 
uh, it's just the best gift. And um, answering your other question around, you know, being able to design or at least construct somewhat of a um, work schedule, which is um, flexible and it helps you to um, have a good uh, balance. It's been a long journey, uh, but that journey, I think it took me a good five years to really get to a place where I am able to sort of um, make all of my living without working set hours or without working sometimes without even needing to work some some months (laughs) i'll tell you about this later and that's essentially through business Uh, and that was one of my main motivations behind wanting to get into entrepreneurship right after university it was uh, realizing that uh, i did a lot of internships i mean i was really really keen to get into the city get into banking make the big bucks make my mom proud but when I did my internships, I could see the guys ahead of me, you know, my managers, senior managers, directors, uh, play, you know, people that you should be looking up to. And I used to see them literally come in really, really early morning. And uh, I know for a fact they left the house before their children woke up. Yeah. And by the time they get home, the child will be in bed. And the only time they got to speak to the child was at lunchtime for a few minutes. And to me, and I was, and that, that, that's the ones that had children. Right. <laughs> a vast majority, especially the women, didn't because uh, yeah. the career, the, you know, it was very challenging to uh, maintain both. Don't get me wrong. There are people who can manage it. Uh, but I was like, no, this is not for me. I can't, uh, I can't see myself. I've always wanted children. Uh, I've always, uh, you know, in, uh, loved uh in in a children um, i'd like to say i'm good with children <laughs> um uh, i've looked what after is, what does your wife think one. of that uh i think she agrees because oh, there are I'm, times yeah, where yeah, i good. think there are times where he would prefer <laughs> coming to daddy <laughs> 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 stuff sometimes not always like uh alhamdulillah i um even sometimes at night time if he wakes up he's he, he come, you know, I'm the one that grabs him and, and sort of puts him back to sleep and things like that. I have a very special bond with him. Uh, of, of course, the wife does as well. Mom is always going to be mom. Of course. Um, but, you know, some, some brothers I know don't even change nappies. Subhanallah. And I was shocked when I heard that. They're like proudly saying, I've never changed a nappy so far and I've got two children. I'm thinking, well, <laughs> for me, that was surprising. I'm not, I don't know if, if it's good or if it's bad. I found that surprising. Yeah. Um, but essentially... Um, it was through business that I was able to kind of get to a place where you can, you've got that thing that I, that it's called sort of time freedom and choice freedom, where you can choose how to structure your time. You still got to work, yeah. but you can choose to work. So most days I start around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Uh, Thursdays I, ca- I take completely off. And I, that's my day with my son because my wife okay. goes to work. She's a pediatric nurse. So she does like t- long 12-hour shifts twice so a day, twice a week, twice a week, not twice a day. <laughs> um, and alhamdulillah, when he was born, um, I was very fortunate. I took nine weeks off. I didn't do any work for nine weeks. That's amazing. Uh, that you was know, out I, of necessity. The standard is sort of two weeks, I think, that um, workplaces give for paternity leave. Obviously, maternity is much longer, but for paternity, it's only about two weeks. That's, that's what I got for both of um, yeah. my children being born was just the two weeks. 
And I think some of it was out of necessity. My wife, unfortunately, was very unwell during pregnancy, after pregnancy, uh, quite seriously unwell. Um, But I was so fortunate that I got to do that. And what's even more crazy is that that whole month of November when my son was born, actually, uh, uh, our business did, did its best month ever. And I wasn't even working. I was in hospital. <laughs> I was just sort of doing bits, bits of emails here and there. Uh, and I, we stayed in hospital for eight days. So I was there next oh, wow. to my wife and my baby in a chair for eight days. Uh, I changed his first nappy. Uh, and I was sho- shocked because there's this thing called meconium or something. And it's like black substance. <laughs> yeah. And I'm there doing his nappy. And I'm like, nurse, 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 there's something wrong. Please come help, help me, help me. And my wife was laughing ahead of <laughs> Because uh, I had no idea that that's the first nephew. So alhamdulillah, those memories I'll never forget. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm glad that you said that because I was in the same situation, man. I, to be honest, my wife did warn me. But then when you see it, it's just like, it's, it's just yeah. quite shocking, man. And like, what's going you know, on? Yeah, it's like, what's going on? And I think, you know, th- this was one of my, I'm glad you said it because one of my motivations for, for dadhood was to point these kind of things out, man. Like, you don't get prepared for these things as a dad. <laughs> No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I didn't even know what meconium was. Forget. I never, I, I have a sort of, I can't remember if I've ever changed a nappy before because, you know, I have looked after younger, younger yeah. cousins and things like that, but they were a little bit older and stuff. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, na- nappy changes, milk, uh, the whole shebang, putting them to sleep. So for eight days, my wife was very, very unwell. And fortunately, this is pre-COVID time. So, you know, you, the husband was allowed to be on the ward and things like that. Yeah. So no, it's been it's been amazing. You know, the first bath, uh, all that type of things, being able to be hands-on has been great. So, um, let, uh, you know, I want to get into more of um, your expectations going into mm-hmm. fatherhood, but... Let's track back a little bit. So you mentioned that you started off in the city and quite quickly you realised after seeing your peers and and the types of lifestyle from from colleagues that, you know, having some sort of freedom of your time was the way to go. And and you felt the Mm -hmm. best way to do that was was business. And I feel like there's a lot of young brothers now who are graduating from university, maybe they're early on in their grad careers and they're now thinking to have a family and or they're, they're, they're about to finish university and they're trying to think, do I want to go down the corporate path? Do I want to do something for myself? Because I do want to get married. I do want to start a family. So what were some of the, the key moments and maybe the key steps you took to transition over? Um, and, and because the reason I say that is it's the fear that stops you from doing that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Even, even for me, um, wanting to kind of set out that type of lifestyle for myself is something that I aspire to as well and something that I'm trying to work towards as well yeah but getting it started is something I I thought about ages ago and it's only now that I'm trying to make steps towards that and the reason why I didn't was the fear you know do do I really want to leave the comfort zone of my job do I really want to risk some capital do I really want to put my all into some idea that I never know is gonna really take off you know so what what were some of those key moments for you and the key steps you took? The the biggest thing I can share here is that for young brothers who are graduating, as soon as you graduate, you're entering a very special window of opportunity. It's a window of time, one, two, maybe even three years. Uh, and this is a golden window of opportunity where you're supposed to 
not jump into a nice job and start getting the car and all those things. This is your opportunity to take risks, try something, explore, experience, start that business, see how it goes. And fortunately, I received that advice uh, when I, at the right time, like a year before graduation. And having already seen what the other path would have led me to. And alhamdulillah, you know, I've a lot of the brothers I used to look up to in the Islamic circles, as soon as they get a good job, they're, they're off the scene. You don't find yeah. them no more. And they're, all they're doing is daydreaming. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. But, you know, busy family, wife, mortgage, children. And I didn't want to fall into that trap. At the same time, you're seeing 20, 21, 22-year-olds making millions online. And I'm thinking... Have I missed the trick somewhere? <laughs> and the truth is we have missed the trick because when we go through the educational system, and this is quite relevant for our children as well, I guess, that the, the whole system, the society, the education process, the schooling is all designed to create employees. And, as a, uh, and it's all designed to uh, conform to a particular way things are. Um, that's true and, because you, I mean I noticed it myself going through school you the, the natural thing you're told is you're going to do your GCSEs you're going to do your A-levels you're going to get a exactly. degree and then you're going to get a job and you're never told about all the other potential opportunities that are out there exactly exactly and you're taught to be a, you know find a great job be a great employee but no one ever tells us dream of becoming an employer yeah, yeah. Right? No one tells you that. SubhanAllah. And that's where I think we go wrong. Um, um, where there are so many other. And in fact, um, our generation has done relatively well. We've got, gone to good universities. We've gotten into good careers. But we're still not happy. We still want more time with family, more freedom, more money, more flexibility, more fulfillment. Yeah. And this is all to do with the uh, Maslow hierarchy of needs. And I know you've, you've mentioned about this in one of the previous podcasts. Um, but I, this is I, thank relevant. you for actually naming it, man, because I think yeah, you said some madness, bro. You said some <laughs> madness. <laughs> you did some vida there, bro. You put this on the <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Uh, but with the way you explained it was spot on. Yeah. That as, as humans, we have a hierarchy of needs. And our, yeah. our parents, for them, it was just about getting by. You know, the basics, food on the table, shelter. And what they wanted for us was more. They wanted us to have comfort, to have a good yeah. career, to have stability. And that's what we work towards. Now, well, now that we have it, now we have the good career, we have the comfort, the stability. Yeah. There's still yeah. something missing, which is the very top of the, the pyramid, which is self-fulfillment and self-actualization. We want to do something that matters. We want to feel fulfillment. We yeah. want to make a difference with our lives, with our time, with our work. Being comfortable is not enough. Uh, and, and we want to do things that matter to us. Yeah, being able to say that I'm a v VP in a bank doesn't mean much when your main goal in life is achieving the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. Or, or when one of your main goals in life is to raise a pious family. That doesn't mean much. Yes, your yeah. parents will be proud to say it to everyone, but to us, it doesn't mean much. There's still a massive void. Uh, and that's essentially um, a very important realization that needs to happen. Uh, and the sooner it happens, the better. That as young Muslims now, we have so many opportunities and what we should be going after is the best. 
Because having a great career is good, but good is the enemy of great. <laughs> good is the enemy of great. So what we need is that, is that copyrighted quote from Tanim. Or did you no, no I, I stole it from somewhere else. I stole it from my uncle. I stole it, and he oh, always reminds okay. me Tanim. Good is the enemy of great. So try, always aim for something bigger. Um, so what we need is more people like Iqbal Nasim, who left the mm. city and is doing some amazing work. We need more people like uh, the founder of um, Mend and yeah. First Ethical, which you are very familiar with, Brother Sufyan. Yeah. We need more people like Talha Ghanam. We need more people like, uh, and, and you know, all of these individuals who basically had the chance to build a career, but they chose a different path. And that yeah. path is now allowing them to do something great. And hopefully within that, they also have the opportunity to build and design their own lifestyle. Yeah. Like you mentioned it today that, you know, today's a Saturday. And I worked since 10 a.m. until now. I've been yeah. basically working. Yes, in between meetings, I'm going to play with my son and I'm checking in on him and do this and that. And I just dropped him off to my, uh, to my mom's. Uh, but I'm working on a Saturday. But that's out of choice because what? I'm, I take Thursdays off. I take Fridays off. Yeah. And Sunday's a half day. And then on, on work days, I'm starting work around 11. So in the morning, I'm with, <laughs> usually with my son anyway. So... Uh, it allows you, you're still working, you're doing work that's fulfilling, uh, but it allows you to also design your life to some extent as well. So so the first thing there is having that mindset towards towards that, that idea of understanding how you're going to break through, like what, what, what does it look like for you? You know, that, I think that that's the kind of understanding I'm getting is really trying to visualize what is the best thing for you going forward. But then... We need some practical tips as well, man. Yeah, practical. No, I, to be honest, when you're young, it, I mean, I never knew that I'd be doing this type of work. I never thought in a million years that I'd be doing stuff like Golden Touch Academy and my property stuff and coaching. Today, I did three hours of one-to-one -one coaching. Nice. And I absolutely love it. And it's paid. it pays very, very well. Um, I never in a million years thought. So Allah will take you on a journey. Yeah. Uh, and you will get to destinations that you can't even fathom, but you have to be willing to take the first step. Mm. And that first step could be, you know what? And this is what I did. I've graduated. I'm going to take a gap year. I'm going to try out my business idea, see where it goes. If it doesn't work, no problem. I'll just reapply to a grad scheme. Yeah. Well, that's no yeah. problem. Right. And for that one year, I'll make some sacrifices. Yeah. Mom was expecting me to jump on a 40K salary. I'm going to have to kind of. Uh, you know, explain that, look, give me a bit more time. And in that time, I may have to deliver some pizzas just to make ends meet, but I'm going to work on my business. Yeah, yeah. And that's essentially what I did. And five years on, I'm still on that gap here. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy, believe me. Uh, it hasn't been easy financially. and uh, But it, it's one of those things that it, it pays off in the long run. Yeah. Uh, it pays off in the long run. Uh, but yeah, to be practical, uh, essentially, the first step is to realize that there's nothing wrong with going into a career for as long as you love it and you're able to. I have uh, I know brothers who are working their, 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 their way up to a certain grade and then they're going to drop to part time and still okay. have a nice 30, 40 salary, uh, 30K salary, which is mm -hmm. enough. Uh, maybe not as much as they're earning now, 60, 70, 80, but they're making that sacrifice. That, look, I'm going to give up some income 
to have better quality of life. There's yeah. many ways to go about it. I chose the business path because I've always been business minded. Uh, some people are working towards it through investing. Like they're working hard, they're investing smartly, they're investing early, and eventually they reach a point where their passive income will be enough for them not to need a job, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's different ways to do it. Uh, but I guess um, once you have... So I've been preparing for the last five years to be able to, to sort of do this, which yeah. has also meant that I've delayed starting a family because... For five, for three years after three, four years after uni, I had no stability whatsoever. I had no money whatsoever. <laughs> right, so you had to deal. I got married at 28. 28. Uh, yeah, 28, 29, I think I was. 2019. Yeah, I was 28. Yeah. I I I was planning to get married at 20, brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that's a that's so that's a, a that's a bit of a delay there. But alhamdulillah, one thing I w- I'd, lo- I'd love to share with any brothers who maybe are in uh, are soon to be dads is you will you will experience uh, an increase in your risk when the baby comes and i know you've experienced yeah. this too yeah man i, I know i know 100%, that too 100% you're right because um you know opportunities open up and it can be very small things you know it could be that you know you you need a car seat you need a push chair and yeah, yeah. somebody just buys it for you, buys you know? it for you well, it could be that it could be that um the risk comes in in different a different format it's not it's not monetary but maybe it's spiritual you know it's that yeah. you at that time you grow closer to allah you maybe you you have the motivation to read more quran you know, things like that so that that could be the increase um and it could be uh, like it happened to me you know having more opportunities to earn money around that time uh, work giving you more flexibility offering you more money for mm-hmm. for different roles etc you know these kind of things happened for me and it kind of comes out of nowhere you know you you find that it's just it, it just comes and and then you you really understand when 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 people say Allah is Razak, you really understand yeah. that name. You really understand what that means. And before that, you wouldn't really be have been able to experience it. It's amazing, and I think one of the reasons why I advocate for more Muslims to get into business is because through business you really understand the meaning of Razak. Because in business, you, you you know you don't have an employer at the end of the month who's gonna send you your paycheck. Uh, you know, uh, you are genuinely relying yeah. <laughs> on Allah to make things happen, to make sure that, you know, let, maybe get that customer, hopefully, maybe get that sale or that launch or this and that. So you, your, your spirituality is supposed to uh, increase because you're more reliant uh, on a razak Because when you're in business, uh, literally anything can happen any moment. Uh, and there have been many, many, many op- occasions where literally the, I didn't have enough at the end of the month, but from somewhere, somehow, boom, something came, something I didn't expect, or finally a, a client pays an invoice that was due three months ago, or somebody pays an advance payment, or somebody <laughs> sending you a refund, uh, a, a, a HMRC sending you a refund. It's crazy. Yeah. So, and then you truly start to see, uh, same thing with having a child. Uh, you know, everything you've mentioned, experience, you know, um, most things for the baby got paid for from gifts and, and other things. Um, I literally went, and I don't mind saying this because um, this is actually important. When I got married, I only had 1,000 pounds in my bank account. 
that's the most I could save. And that's all <laughs> I had. Yeah, that's all I had. And we went from that, literally 10 months later, having a child, having our own place. Obviously, it's rented. Don't get me wrong. We fully furnished it. Uh, and alhamdulillah, um, uh, my income, I think almost doubled, almost doubled. Uh, and it's not just the doubling, it's the fact that it became consistent. Because before yeah, yeah. that, I didn't have a consistent solid income. So subhanAllah, one child brought so much barakah. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it, it's uh, really awe-inspiring. And that, that, that actually goes to show that some people put off... Um, having a family for the sake of their career or for the sake of their their business and of course there's it's not to say you should dive into like yourself you understood okay let me take some time and plan right but you yeah. weren't you weren't trying to put it off for that for 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 any other reason other than you wanted to get stable but some people are afraid that if mm. i have a family it's going to ruin my stability it's going to ruin uh my career path it's going to uh, take away from my income you know, and and they go in with that mindset to delay it rather than, you know, your mindset is a positive one in that I'm, I am looking to start a family and I'm just building something up at a foundational yeah. level. Once I hit that foundation, boom, I can start my family. But some, yeah. some brothers take the wrong angle and they think that even starting that family now is going to, going to be kind of destructive to their, their current lifestyle. But this shows you that actually it's, it's, given a better quality to your lifestyle there's been more opportunities the for opposite you. is the opposite it opens up many doors and for me that was the pivotal time when i went from being a struggling entrepreneur to slightly comfortable yeah uh, uh, alhamdulillah and as time goes on and obviously uh, our experience increases and establish more and more things uh you you, you just do over time a little bit better each, uh, as time goes on so yeah. for me it was a key moment uh, key moment and subhanallah um the the delay wasn't even intentional it was just like it's not feasible for me of course to get married now i just don't even know if i'll you know how much i'm gonna have at the end of the month because when you're when you're doing business you know there's there's a lot of different uh amounts and uh, investments and and things that you have to pay for and sometimes your income is delayed a little bit but the moment is slightly uh stabilized that's when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened the doors and made everything easy subhanallah made everything easy like literally from the meeting to the wedding everything subhanallah was easy so easy that we ended up with the baby as well. alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. that's amazing bro and this kind of you know uh really highlights um the role that allah gives to fathers and husbands in a family right is to be the person who is supporting the, the, the family in that way uh, emotionally financially leading the family making sure that everything is, is going well for the family and that's another kind of motivation to really work on having this this income for yourself and and, and starting something or just or just aspiring to be the best in your career so that you can you can have you know that that that, that money and that that kind of uh, stability in your life to support your family because sometimes people like to separate these two matters right is is your work and your and 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 kind of your family and sometimes they try to make it a negative thing that one is against the other but there is uh this mindset that brothers can go into that this is something which is going to help me and my family mm -hmm. 
No, absolutely. And ultimately, you know, this whole talk about stability, ultimately it's all from Allah. Yeah, ultimately, you know, even people talk about stability like, oh, I don't want to rent because, you know, there's no stability, there's no security. Yeah. Even people that own houses have been known to be kicked out of their own home. We were kicked out of our own home and we had a house on a mortgage a long, long, long time ago when I was much yeah. younger. Uh, so the, the true stability doesn't come from having uh, a job or not having a child or not having mm. or, or not being on rent or have oh, true stability is from Allah. Ultimately, I've known families who've lived in the same house 17 years. And that our household is full of barakah. Every single child has done well, is praying. Uh, is you can just see uh, the the blessings in that family, and they've never taken. They chose not to take a mortgage. They live. They've rented for a very very long time. Uh, and yeah, alhamdulillah. Uh, there's sometimes small mindset shifts uh, yeah. can make a huge difference. And again, we are programmed to think in a particular way. Yeah. And sometimes we should question those beliefs. We should really question, especially when they go against uh, Islamic teachings, because ultimately that's the ultimate truth. 100%. So, bro, I want to go back to what you were saying. You were talking about some of your uh, kind of experiences when, when your son was born. Uh, and I want to see how your expectations of fatherhood changed from before fatherhood to, to, to now actually experiencing those moments with, with your child. When we first met, I don't think you were married, right? And funny mm. enough, we actually first met because of a podcast. <laughs> yes, we yes, we did. did. And now, did. now we're yeah. on this podcast, alhamdulillah. So we were back on, obviously we were meeting you um, based on the um, podcast I used to have when me and my friends Asim Muhammad Ibn Batuta's boat, uh, still online if people want to check it out. And uh, Tanim's episode is there, alhamdulillah, very beneficial. But at that time, I don't think you were married. So... How, what were your expectations of being a father around that time? And now that you, you have experienced that first year, you said your son is one, one years old, right? Uh, he's about 16 months now. I was counting okay, the other mashallah. day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so quick. Mashallah, amazing. Yeah, so, so what, what was your expectation then? And, and how has that changed maybe? To be honest, because it happened so quickly, I never even had the time to think, you know, what type of father do I want to be? What type of, it just happened so quickly. And, uh, you know, we had to, we had to, we had a wedding to arrange. She was pregnant and then we had to move. There's so much going on um, that I didn't really have that many expectations. Of course, you expect it to be a special experience yeah. and you expect it to be, uh, you know, something that's life changing and all the things that people tell you. Uh, for me, it was, it was very, very difficult in the early days. So literally okay. from the get-go, from the day he was born, well, I was in the operating theater when he came out uh, yeah. and well, actually, uh, even before, you know, the labor room and everything, uh, he was from that, from the moment we stepped into the hospital, we left nine days later. That's and crazy. I was there, so I was there the whole time. So, you, you know, for eight days, sleeping on a chair and looking after <laughs> the baby and, and the wife, feeding baby first and then the wife. So it's Do been you know, very... I always, I always tell brothers that, um, you know, you're going to be sleeping on a chair. Yeah, just, just yeah. Rem just remind, be ready for that. Yeah, <laughs> they're ready. For me, so it was extremely challenging 
But what was amazing is how you're able to do it. Yeah. Because of this new newfound energy or newfound mm. purpose that I need to take care of this being. I need to make sure that uh, when he needs something the next time that I'm ready, I need to make sure that the milk is ready. I need to make sure that this is ready, that is ready. Uh, it was just crazy how we just adapted um, to that. Uh, and then the three months, the first three months uh, were quite challenging as well. Because again, um, wife was still quite unwell. Uh, he, the baby has a lot of needs. So Alhamdulillah, I was able to dedicate a lot of time. It was challenging, sleep, lack mm. of sleep. And I've, I'm, I see photos of that period and literally my eyes. <laughs> uh, I look like a different person. And this, my skin was all messed up because, you know, not having proper sleep and things like that affects you. So I'm not trying to put anyone off, but what the, the point I'm making is that it's incredible how you ad- adapt. Yeah as a new parent it's like you, 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 you don't have you didn't even have to learn what was going to happen you didn't have to warn yourself about what was going to happen yeah. to be able to adapt you know because yeah. sometimes in other areas of life it's so hard to adapt if you haven't researched if you haven't looked into it if you haven't had a taster session you know like when you're applying for university for example yeah, you go absolutely. there you go visit the university you get a, a taster session of the course you know you do your research etc but with parenthood with fatherhood it's hard to to do that I mean, you can read as many books as you want and it's not really gonna give you the most amount of preparation for that moment but somehow you adapt to it quite well. Uh, it, it obviously, like you said, it's difficult, but the adaptation happens, and you do it, and you get through it. You do it. It's it's again, it, it's um, a natural thing. It's a God given thing. Even in the even the animal kingdom has these things where yeah. there's just an innate rahma between the parent and the and, and the child towards the child, and we have that. And what's amazing is that the love that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has for us is much stronger than the love yeah, that we feel for our child, which is inc- crazy. Uh, like, you know, your child can vomit on you, kick you in the face, pee in your face. You still love the child. You still love the baby. You don't get annoyed, right? Yes, there are times where you get annoyed about certain things, but that type of love, uh, you don't experience it for anyone else. Mm. You don't experience that for anyone else. I'm That's sure true. that, you know, if, if your wife vomited on your face, you wouldn't be too pleased. But if your child does it, it's okay. <laughs> you, know, you, you just wipe off. You carry on. It just it just happened to me today. My daughter just vomited on me, and I'm just like, oh, okay, just get tissue, okay. wipe it off. That's it. You know, That's it. So what can you it's do? like any, it's something you'd never experienced before. Uh, you have a child. That type of love you don't experience. And I think the uh, the point worth mentioning here is that Subhanallah. Imagine if Allah loves you even more than that. Mm. Uh, I can't remember the exact number. I think it's 70 times more than your own mother. Uh, it's probably best that people look this up because I'm not a reliable source. Uh, so, <laughs> we'll, we'll pull it up on the screen. But, but no, it's true. It's true. You know, the, the message is clear uh, that having children, being a father, really makes you not only appreciate your parents more, but also mm. makes you appreciate the mercy of Allah even more because you now have a 
a kind of a a a yardstick a litmus yeah, test like a to how point. how you can give that much mercy to somebody you know subhanallah it's amazing i wanted to ask and and um you can kind of answer this in whatever way you want as much information you want to give or not but what was your relationship with your father like and how do you think that has impacted your relationship with your son that's a, such a good question so for a bit of context uh my father uh separated from my mom about 10 years now i think it's been 10 years okay. so they had the divorce later in life so we were already grown up we were at union stuff but uh, um so he actually lives abroad he lives in bangladesh now he's okay. chilling early retirement and since he moved i've only seen him twice twice wow. or twice twice right but we speak on the phone every week we've got a really good relationship but my father interestingly he was also very hands on as a father wow only in the early years like i have photos and videos of you know my dad giving me you know doing my hair cut what you know do, giving me a bath taking me here taking me there feeding us uh, but later on uh, when we were a little bit more grown up i don't really remember him taking ever taking us to the park or buying us toys or anything like that the only time he would take a day off to spend time with us is on results day <laughs> <laughs> come to the school with us for results day so it's a bit of a weird one because he was very hands on and my father is the type of person who knows how to do pre- uh, uh, you know he can he knows how to cook he knows how to do everything and he was very hands on which i think had an impact on me because i very much feel uh, and want to be i don't know if i am but i want to be very hands on Uh, so you that sound happened. like it, mashallah. Changing nappies, be playing with your son on a daily basis, yeah. taking time off to spend with him. I think these yeah. are That's definitely signs of somebody who wants to be hands-on and wants to be involved. And that, those are the types of fathers that we want to promote in this podcast, mashallah. Inshallah, inshallah, inshallah. And uh, and obviously, uh, within if uh, if it wasn't COVID, maybe it was. There, there's more that you can probably do with the young ones. But uh, you know, alhamdulillah, you try to do whatever's possible. But yeah, my my my. father definitely had had an impact uh i can't say that you know my father was like a friend as such as more of a like authority type of thing i always yeah. even now subhanallah it's crazy because when i speak to my dad i always find myself telling him about the good things that i'm getting up to like yeah, that, yeah this this week my business this is so i'm still that child that wants to please his father <laughs> i don't think that will ever go away i was listening to um uh, something today a sheikh was mentioning uh, uh somebody had asked this is like a live q and a and a mother had asked him you know i struggle to teach my children quran you know how do i get them to teach it and he said look you have to remember that at, uh, they might kind of be because they're children they might not like it right now but throughout their whole life they are always going to need their parents so don't give up right now you know they might not like you teaching them quran but keep going keep going keep going cuz at at some point it's going to sink in and when they get older they're still going to need you and so this you know you and it's the same thing a child you know you you you'll always be a child to your parent and the parent will always want to parent the child no matter how old they are so it's 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 crazy because <clears throat> i never realized i only it only dawned on me recently that look 
Uh, unfortunately, my, my dad always supported uh, me in the sense that he's the one that's been brainwashing me from a young age to get a good job. <laughs> like I remember when I was young, uh, I think as young as four or five, and I, I used to love cars. And yeah. when a nice car would drive, go by and I would do that, he'd be like, <laughs> if you get a good job, you can get one of those. <laughs> so I've been basically programmed from a very young age. And that's what you know, led me to work hard and do well in my GCSEs mm. and research the best possible you need to get into banking and what's the highest paying grad scheme in the country and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it was literally imprinted in me from a very young age. And then subhanAllah, you get there and then you yeah. realize, actually, this is not what I want. <laughs> then you start thinking, what, do, what, what is it that I want though? What is yeah. it that I want? What's important to me? So it's important to think about from a career, what do I want? Do I want fulfillment? Do I want money? Do I want variety? Do I want travel? Do I want something to do something meaningful, impactful? Do I want to work with humans or animals? So I think uh, that's something I hope my generation will encourage our children yeah. to actually figure out what they might want to do with their life, what their talents are. Mm. SubhanAllah, looking back at my life, I've always been a hustler. <laughs> I was buying and selling stuff in primary school and I've always had this, something going on. No one ever identified What was your me. earliest hustle? Earliest hustle, bro. Uh, yeah, the usual. Sweets. and uh, <laughs> You were candy. that kid. You were that kid in school yeah, yeah. with a backpack full of sweets and drinks, yeah? That's it, man. Always. <laughs> Even, but I used to sell uh, designer bags to teachers in, in secondary school. <laughs> In the teachers, I used to organize. I hope nobody's watching this from my school. I used to organize <laughs> trips to thought, Alton Towers and Thought Park at the end of the year and make a profit on each ticket. Six, seven hundred per trip. That's um, wicked. The point I'm making is nobody identified that you know what, Tanim. It looks like you might be, uh, you might be someone mm. who might be good at business. So why don't we explore that? All I was ever told. Get a good job, get a good job, get a good job, get a good job. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be very conscious, inshallah, with, with my children and, and, and all the children around me, families around me, brothers. There's a lot, I have, alhamdulillah, we have a lot of brothers and young families around us. To really encourage everyone to try to identify every, every child has a talent or some strength. So let's identify those, let's nurture those, and let's help them find a path whether that's career or otherwise, that will help, it will help them leverage this, this special yeah. strength or skill that they have. Yeah, you've got um, obviously your, your, your business Golden Touch Academy, which um, aspires to, 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 to give Muslims the inspiration, the motivation, the encouragement, the practical steps, the strategies to become financially stable. Um. But my question isn't so much about Golden Touch, but that vision that you have for the Muslim community, how would you instill that in your son? You know, I always think about how am I going to teach my son about money in the right way? How am I going to make sure that he understands growing up what the real value of money is, that it's a means to an end and it's not the end itself? You know, how do I get him to be clever with money? I didn't really grow up getting a clear understanding of 
the different types of strategies when it comes to money in terms of how to save what to spend on what's an asset what's a liability etc 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 and i'm starting to learn that all myself now but i want to make sure my son has like a head start so how would you that vision that you have for the the wider muslim community that mashallah you are carrying out now how are you going to do that for your son amazing so you the, the, what's it's amazing how much young people how intelligent they are i've done you know the money mastery program that we teach which alhamdulillah you have yourself been part of a couple of times now yeah uh, we've taught that type of content to 12 year olds okay wow uh, we, yeah and i reckon i could adapt that whole program for five six seven year olds wow with activities and and things like that and uh you know i'm, I'm, I'm already preparing to be well smart kids smart money <laughs> we have there is a lot of content already uh, and it's just about teaching them principles hmm. principles that instead of giving your child money pocket money make them work for it let them realize that earning money requires uh, an exchange of value for example right. and then when they do earn something encourage them to give some save some spend some invest hmm. some for example, nice. yeah? yeah. For example, uh, and then see if they have ideas of you know what what else could you do to earn a little something. Yeah. Uh, Subhanallah. One of my mentors, a marketing mentor, he's a, a, a Muslim um, Muslim uh, marketing expert. He's already teaching his children, like seven and eleven. I think they're eleven or seven. They're already working online uh, on Fiverr and uh freelance they, they they're basically providing freelance wow. services already it could be maybe a little bit of um admin here and there or a little uh, designing a post or whatever but he's yeah. already gotten them involved at doing this type of thing which is that's which amazing is, uh, amazing yeah and subhanallah children are very very intelligent uh, but you can't teach them something you don't know yourself true mm. you can't teach them something you don't know yourself uh, and then if you're not sh- leading by example, i.e. showing them that, look, we, you, we, we, we should give mm. to charity or to, web, you know, regularly. If you're not leading by example, then obviously it will be difficult to instill those in them. Yeah. Uh, if you're not showing them, look, this is, you know, uh, this is how I am investing or this is how I am planning or this is, it's important to be doing it yourself first. Just like mm-hmm. with anything, you can't expect your children to pray if you're not praying yourself. Yeah, And yeah. so, I don't know, maybe you've experienced this with your own son. Um, I, when, when I pray in front of him, I've never taught him. He's doing sajdas and he's doing this. Yeah, I yeah, never yeah. Anything. <laughs> I never said to him, you know, do this, do that. Yeah, he same. emulates. And children emulate everything that, that you do. Uh, so, subhanAllah, we want them to... Except for when they climb on you. Where did you learn that from? Yeah. So I'm trying to pray. <laughs> that, when, when that happens, it reminds me of, of, of the hadith uh, of when uh, Hassan and Hussein climbed uh, on, on, on the Blessed Prophet Sallam. So, it's, again, very heartwarming that, you know, even yeah. a like experience something like this so it helps you to stay calm yeah it's quite heartwarming it's distracting of course but yeah. there is there, there is rahma there is there is a beauty in that as well definitely and, definitely uh, 
sometimes I do think, you know what, I should probably close the door when I'm play, praying. And then actually I decided, no, I'm going to pray right where my son is playing. Mm. And even though it's distracting, I want him to see. Yeah. And maybe because I did that, now he's sort of trying to emulate. And he doesn't understand, of course, you know, he can barely speak, but they copy, they copy everything. They do, they, they do. At a certain age. Yeah, with Ramadan coming up, you know, I was reflecting upon last Ramadan. And in last Ramadan, because we were in lockdown, I was doing all of my ibadah mm-hmm. at home. And mm-hmm. that meant all of my recitation of Quran was at home. Tarawih was at home. Everything, and yeah. obviously my son is there. And over that month, he became addicted to the books because we had books out. We had Quran out. We had books like Riyadh al-Salihin mm-hmm. out to read. And he was like trying to grab them, trying to read them. He wanted to sit with us when we were reading them. Um, you know, he quickly started to emulate and understand the importance of these books and reading and listening to the Quran. We would, you know, the, the Adhan, because we would... It, play it every evening um you know he he would be he, he would be excited to hear it when he'd hear it you know he would cheer up he would smile um you know he would call it Allah 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 so it's like it's really nice and um you're right like you have to be a role model to them you have to show them rather than you know it's that famous saying that children follow what you do not what you say and it's is as a hundred percent right and and that's you know I, I definitely want to take the opportunity for this Ramadan to build upon the impact that it had on my on my son last yeah. Ramadan and, and now my daughter's here as her first Ramadan so making sure that she's seeing what's going on that we're we're praying we're reading Quran etc um what are your what's your plans for Ramadan so yeah last Ramadan yeah he was very very young he was I can't remember he was very young for last Ramadan so this Ramadan uh, will be probably most likely um, last couple of Ramadans actually even before even before the lockdown we actually prayed at home with a couple of our relatives. Okay. We would do our own jam- uh, jamaat in the uh, at home, uh, do a little um, a reflection, a little reminder, um, just to make it easy for uh, you know our mothers uh, and things like that. And even for us, I'll be honest, you know, uh, rush, rushing to the masjid, rushing back, parking the car. Da, 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 da. Uh, so Alhamdulillah, that was quite nice. I'm not too sure what we're going to do this year because the masjid is open now. We can go. And I'll be honest, I do miss praying in the masjid yeah. uh, uh, a lot, uh, especially Taraweeh because uh, yeah. at home, of course, uh, some of us know some Quran, but it gets repetitive. <laughs> of course, yeah, subhanAllah. <laughs> it gets repetitive, right? Uh, we don't have any huffas, unfortunately, amongst um, my brothers and my cousins. Um, so I'm not too sure what the plan is. Um, regarding what you were mentioning around, you know, educating uh, our children, yeah. um, I'm, I'm really, and this is maybe something that may be of interest, maybe you can share your thoughts with me. I'm really considering whether or not, because, you know, I said that, you know, the schooling system programs you for something and that I don't agree with. So should I put my children through that system or is there another? Can I afford, what what do I need to do to prepare them for another system? Will they miss out on anything if I provide that alternative system? I mean, there's no denying that what they learn in a day in school, you can teach them. Or not you, maybe someone else can teach them in like an hour or two. That yeah, is yeah. a lot of time wasted. So that already, and I know of brothers who can teach the entire GCSE syllabus, maths, English, and science in eight months. Wow. 
and the, and uh, two two year eight to a child in year eight. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, there's a, there's a brother that I know that he's done that with his own sister. She did her, she got a name GCSC studying at home in year eight. <laughs> it's crazy. That's uh, amazing. So I'm really considering the whole homeschooling thing, and mm. perhaps if there are other um, like-minded brothers and families. Um, maybe do like a collective homeschooling project perhaps and yeah. maybe this is something that you can pioneer uh, ha- having an audience of young Muslim uh, parents yeah. um, maybe you can help us with that because I genuinely think that look imagine children normally are in school from what seven uh, what eight eight till three yeah so imagine uh, first first hour Quran Second hour, swimming. Third hour, uh, math. Yeah. And just literally, you can design the day. And they're not at home. They're, they're maybe with another four, five, six children in the same age group. And, uh, and then, alhamdulillah, maybe some of us have the financial, the financial freedom to actually be there and coordinate everything. So that's kind of my five-year plan, I would say. I'm working quite hard at the moment to be in a position where maybe I can play a role in coordinating some of this stuff. That's amazing. Because um, I'm, I'm on the same page as you, bro. Like, um, I'm taking those steps now for the next five years to plan, you know, in, in within a couple of years' time, five years' time, four years' time, my children are going to be at that age where I'm going to have to start some sort of education for them, some sort of uh, uh, homeschooling for them. And I'm going to have to make that decision at that point is, do I want to send them to nursery reception, year one, the traditional schooling system, or do I want to homeschool them? And I want to be ready to have both options in front of me. I don't want to go into there being like, well, I didn't prepare myself enough. I didn't save the money. I didn't research enough. So now I only really have one option. And if I want to do the other option, now I'm going to have to spend another couple of years and let them go through the whole schooling system and then pull them out after that. And it's going to get very messy. And who knows if I'm going to have the motivation to do that at that point. Who knows if my children would want to, once they've experienced school life, they'll be able to really kind of come out of it and resettle into homeschooling. So mm-hmm. I want to set up myself from now to have Absolutely. that freedom to choose uh, what's going to be best for my children at that point. I think there are definitely pros and cons to both sides, to the schooling system and to the ho- homeschooling or kind of community schooling system, kind of like what you're talking about. I think there's pros and cons to both sides. I'm definitely edging towards that kind of homeschooling community side system like you are. Uh, and I think it's an amazing idea that you have, you know, to create a hub. I know there are already many kind of Muslim, Muslim homeschooling hubs out yeah. there, but there's always opportunity to develop those, create more, uh, create different types of activities, syllabuses uh, and whatnot. And what I, I remember you telling me this, that what could be amazing is that brothers like ourselves who have certain specialities, you know, you have your speciality in terms of finance um, and and uh, business and, you know, uh, kind of productivity and whatnot. I have, you know, experience in uh, maybe, you know, a background in politics, in exactly. presenting media, um, yeah. the, these kind of podcasts and whatnot. Um, 
We have other brothers who are hafiz. They obviously understand memorization. They understand Quran. We have other brothers who work in the city and and they have a very good understanding of things like that. We have te- we know we've teachers, got math teacher, science math, teacher, exactly. We've got- we got the whole we, lot, alhamdulillah. Dentists, all sorts. So there's enough there. Um, and, and, and even on the sister side, you know what I'm saying? The brothers, but even on the sister side, all of that exists. Even so more nurturing talent. Yeah, probably, exactly, yeah, subhanAllah. So, you know, using that, pooling those people together and basically saying, you know, we can teach each other and we can teach you can teach my kids i can teach your kids tutoring each other basically and and creating that that environment of a village you know how they say like it takes a village to raise a child that's that's exactly what you do and i know that mashallah your your wife started a a similar initiative in terms of getting sisters together calling it i think it was called the village right Uh, And, and basically this is the first step of this bigger vision hopefully uh, hopefully, you know, slowly, slowly, slowly building these connections amongst us, these relationships. Look, we want our children to grow up together, to be friends, to learn together, to pray together, to travel together, to go Umrah together. But this won't happen if me and you don't have a connection. If we don't see each other on the weekend or if we're not getting together for Eid, yeah. it's not going to happen, right? So we need to build this village. Uh, and at the moment... Uh, you know, it doesn't require us all living in the, on the same street. Uh, you know, just getting together on Zoom for a, a couple of times a month is, is a good start. Yeah. And, uh, I, I met this couple once at a business event and it's incredible. They, he, he basically does trading online. I think some buy options trading and she was a primary school teacher. They got three children okay. and they basically traveled the world. So they educate the homeschool. When they mean homeschool, three months in Thailand, three months in Bali, three months in South Africa, three months in Australia, three months in Canada. And, uh, you know, uh, I was so inspired. Uh, I mean, we don't have to do the same, but, you know, um, it's possible in today's, in, in the world that we live in today, like you don't have to be an entrepreneur to be able to do that. If you're a, if you have any type of job that can be done remotely, boom. You can now literally um, earn in pounds and live a very comfortable life somewhere like Malaysia, somewhere like Indonesia, somewhere like Brunei Mm. or uh, Middle East, Morocco, Egypt, wherever. And no problem. Let's just go for three months, uh, study some Arabic together and whatnot. uh, And then next year, another three months somewhere else. So inshallah, it's, uh, it's exciting, but... Uh, you know, we ask Allah to give us tawfiq to do all of these things. Uh, there are fam- there are groups in America. America is American brothers and sisters, as you know, they're quite advanced, yeah. very forward thinking. I have heard of groups um, led by certain shiur. They literally bought properties all on in on the same street and wow. they their own little system going and their own baitul mal and everything like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very organized, but it takes That's amazing. Yeah, it takes someone to, you know, t- make the first step and, and, and share that vision. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but obviously all of that is all good and well. But we first and foremost, we need to preserve our own iman and preserve our children's iman. And then all of these other wonderful things are uh, sort of a bonus uh, or arguably part and parcel of preserving their iman. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Look, before we end off, I just want to ask you, what has been 
the favorite memory you have so far with you and your and your son? Oh wow. <laughs> That's a good one. There's so many, subhanAllah. I think it's a difficult one, bro. There's there's, there's a lot too to many pick. to choose for a minute. And that is a lot of there's a lot of nice things, alhamdulillah. Uh favorite memory, probably seeing him walk for the first time. Mashallah, yeah, that's a good one. Seeing him walk because he was literally doing this towards me. <laughs> so that uh was was a very special moment. And also probably also giving him his first bath. And he oh, was okay. very he came out three or four weeks early. So he was okay. very, very small. And uh, I didn't know what I was doing, but I pretended <laughs> that I knew what I was doing. And giving him his first bath was like an unforgettable uh, memory, I think, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Zakla khair for coming on, Tanim. It's always good to see the brothers, um, you know, from our generation who are having children, uh, taking that role seriously, taking that role of being a father seriously. And especially somebody like yourself who, in a similar situation to me, that you... Uh, had your parents were separated and mm. you know you never know how that's going to impact your future relationships how that's going to impact how you're going to view fatherhood but clearly it seems like you've been somebody who's taken on that role and you've set your lifestyle to accommodate for that role rather than trying to uh, piece things together or trying to fit in your fatherhood around everything else you're kind of looking at fatherhood as being one of those core things in your life and you're trying to set things around it and I think that's something that I aspire to and I think a lot of uh, the brothers and the sisters who might be listening would be aspiring to as well inshallah so just out of here for coming on man I must give credit to my mentors for for that uh, mm. I have several mentors who uh, showed me that uh, possibility and that blueprint. So I can't take credit for any of that. I have to, and maybe they took the role of the blueprint that my father uh, maybe imprinted. So I replaced that with uh, a better blueprint, perhaps. I don't know, but I really appreciate you. Um, firstly, I appreciate you doing this work because, like I said, I am a fan of the podcast and I have watched every single episode so far. I will probably not watch this one. <laughs> 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 and uh, I look forward to seeing the podcast grow and learning, continuing to learn from all the uh, wonderful guests that you bring on. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah. And uh, inshallah, may, uh, may, you have, may Allah bless you with the tawfiq to inshallah uh, do something really, really meaningful with this, with this podcast, inshallah. I mean, I mean, yep, I, that's what I'm looking forward to is just growing this beyond even just the podcast. And I think, exactly. you know, you have been central towards the vision for this, alhamdulillah, I think. And uh, going forward, uh, we will definitely be in touch with you for, for more advice. No problem at all. This is, this is what I do now. So I'm at your service. <laughs> I'm at your service. Take care, Tanim. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.